0: You would please turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. If you need a Bible, we should have some of the chairs and pews in front of you. And page 942 will get you to Romans chapter 4. And uh, for those of you visiting with us today, we've been in a sermon series in Romans uh, this, this year. And we took a break for Easter, but we're circling back to some really important Easter themes uh, that we find in Paul's epistle. To the church in Rome. And so we're gonna look at Romans 4, verse 25, just this one verse this morning. Uh, On Good Friday evening, we have focused on the amazing truths of this one verse. And I commented how this one verse contains the gospel in a nutshell. In just one sentence, Paul explains the, the beauty of the gospel. And on Good Friday, we meditated on these five words, that Christ was delivered up for our trespasses. But this morning is Easter morning. It's all about happiness and and brightness, right? And praise God for the beautiful weather today. It's Resurrection Sunday. And so we're going to focus on four more important words from this verse that give us the very essence of Easter, and those words were are raised for our justification. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead on that first Easter morning, and it was for our justification. And so, to meditate on this wonderful truth, again, we're circling back to look at Paul's letter here to the church in Rome, and if you've read any in Romans, if you've studied anything in Romans, you know that the, the core doctrine, the main principle that he's teaching over and over is justification by faith. That's the main theme almost of the whole letter. But a close second is the doctrine of the resurrection, and so you will not get very far in your reading and studying of Romans without learning about the resurrection, Romans is full of the resurrection. One scholar said it this way. He said, squeeze this letter at any point and resurrection spills out. Hold it up to the light and you see Easter sparkling all the way through. So it is for this reason that we're circling back to some of these really important truths here in Romans to highlight Paul's emphasis on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So hear now the reading of God's word, Romans 4 verse 25. Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Pray with me, please. Our God and our Father, Since our whole salvation depends on understanding the gospel, we pray now that our hearts would be free from the cares of this world, so that we may hear and understand your holy word with all diligence and faith, so that we may know your will for our lives and live for the praise and honor of your name. For it is in Christ Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Have you ever thought about what it would be like if there were no Easter morning? Think about that. What what would it be like if there were no Easter? How would our faith work if Jesus had not risen from the dead? The Apostle Paul actually helps us to think about this terrifying idea for a moment. Paul wrote many letters to many churches in his day. Uh, We're reading and studying his letter that he wrote to the church in Rome, but he also wrote two letters to the church in Corinth, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. In 1st Corinthians, Paul uh, wrote something very astonishing, and he was apparently answering some questions that the church there had about the resurrection and what that means and how important that is. And so, in 1 Corinthians 15, he he wrote something astonishing, something that when we first read it and think about it, it, it's shocking. So, listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 16, and 17. He said, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. Did you catch that? Did you you hear what, what he said? He says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then your faith is futile. It's worthless. We're still dead in our sins. And that's something pretty depressing to think about, isn't it? The reason Paul made such such a dramatic statement like this was to emphasize how very important the resurrection of Jesus Christ is to our faith. It means everything, everything. If the cross is the very heart and core of Christianity, then the resurrection is the seal it is the guarantee that everything Christ accomplished on the cross is complete and final. This is why in the Apostles' Creed we profess this. This is why we profess this in our, of our faith earlier. We said on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. It means everything. Thanks be to God that Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. And because of this truth, because of this fact, you and I, we have a living hope. We have sure confidence. We have a a sure hope because Christ is risen from the dead. And so here is the the main point. Here's the thesis, if you're you're taking notes. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead so that we might have everlasting life with him. This truth is. Is another great expression of God's love and his power to save. That because Christ is risen, we have everlasting life with him. And so there's two phrases I want us to think about this morning, two phrases I want us to focus on and study this morning from Romans 4, verse 25. And it's in the latter half of that verse. So the first phrase is that Christ was raised. Christ was raised. And the second phrase is that Christ was raised for our justification. The resurrection of Jesus Christ and the subsequent justification accomplished by God, that is our focus this morning from this verse. So the first is Christ was raised. Paul says it very matter-of-factly. In Christ being raised should cause you and I to remember something this morning that we spent a great deal of time meditating on and thinking about this past Good Friday. That Christ was crucified on the cross for our sin. And then he died. And he was buried. It was a really hard reality to think about when we think about the crucifixion. But the story didn't stop there, did it? On the third day, something happened. Something actually happened that he told his disciples was going to happen. And it's just so funny to me to think about every time he told them what was going to happen. I don't know what their response was. I think somebody was thinking, he must be hungry. Would somebody give him a burger? You know. But he told them what was going to happen. On the third day, he rose from the dead. Christ. Has risen. The tomb is empty. How in the world did that happen? How is that possible? Well, we can try to explain that in a few different ways. Of course, we can say God is God. He has the power and the authority to do whatever he wants. He can do anything. There were some other false explanations given. It was spread falsely in the early church that Jesus wasn't really dead. He only appeared that way. And then there was this really crazy idea that the disciples went and stole his body in the middle of the night. The disciples, the apostles, who ran away all scared when he was crucified, they went up against the largest military might in the history of the world up until that time and took Jesus' body. That makes total sense, right? <laughs> no, these, all these ideas, they've been debunked. They're not true. What is true is what Paul says in Ephesians 1, that the power of Almighty God, the power of Almighty God who spoke life into existence, he is the God who worked his great might when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand of his thr- on his throne in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Christ was raised from the dead. But how do we know for sure? How can you and I know for sure that Jesus rose from the dead? How can we know it is true that he rose from the dead when we were not there? I mean, I haven't seen the video evidence of you. Now, coincidentally, I don't think we can trust video evidence anymore in the the age of AI, right? We can make up whatever we want. (laughs) Jesus is not on an earthly throne right now where you and I can go visit him anytime we want. So how can we know? How can we know it is true? Well, we can know the same way that we know anything. How do I know there's a war in Ukraine? I haven't visited there. Uh, How do I know that the Grand Canyon is so amazing? I haven't visited there either. It is on the list. How do I know Shakespeare really existed? I don't really like reading him, <laughs> but I've never met him. How do we know? And the Bible tells us how we can know this truth that Christ has risen from the dead. And Paul addressed that question again to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15. Listen to what he wrote. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that is, Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul said to the Corinthians, how do you you want to know if this is true? There are a bunch of people that saw him. And you can go ask them. They're around right now. And their testimony has been recorded for us, written down in the most published, best-selling book in the history of the world. And if if the resurrection is a fantasy and a hoax and a conspiracy theory, it's got a 2,000-year track record. It's going pretty strong. And Paul says, go talk to these folks. They saw him alive. And then Paul says, what's even more amazing is he appeared to me on the Damascus Road one who persecuted the church, one who had no business receiving the favor of Jesus Christ, he appeared to Paul on that Damascus road. And so these are great evidences of the truth of the resurrection. And we see played out in history the resolves of the apostles. They never wavered on this truth of the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. Their message of the resurrection still continues to this day. They gave their very life for it. Well, is there evidence outside the Bible? We're in Huntsville, Alabama. We pride ourselves on being one of the smartest cities in the, in the country. So tell me some evidence outside the Bible. Well, you don't need it, but I'm going to give you some anyway. A uh, history is full of evidence, even outside the Bible, that testified to this. One piece of evidence I'll give you, there was an, an ancient Roman historian named Tacitus. Uh, Tacitus lived not long after Christ. He lived from AD. 56 to 120. He was a pagan, to be sure he was not a Christian. Tacitus actually mentions Jesus in his writings. And in one particular writing, he talks about how Nero blamed the Christians for setting fire to Rome. And so Tacitus describes who these Christians were, and he gives a short historical background to these Christians. He says, Christ, the founder of the name, had undergone the death penalty in the reign of Tiberius by sentence of the procurator, Pontius Pilate, and a pernicious superstition, that is the resurrection, was checked for the moment, only to break out once more, not merely in Judea, the home of the disease, but in the capital itself. This was written not long after Christ lived on earth Tacitus doesn't believe any of these things, but he's connected all the dots, isn't he? This superstition, it started in Judea, and we tried to snuff it out. We tried to check it, but it, it got to the capital of Rome, and all these people are believing it now. (laughs) Amazing to think about how even in, in ancient times, we see the gospel spreading. All of these things point to facts. Uh, They're historical realities. You you would be hard-pressed to find another religion or another cult that focuses so much on evidence. Our faith is evidence-based. And these are the reasons why we can acknowledge that the resurrection really happened. That Christ has ascended into heaven. He has risen. He has risen indeed. I had the privilege a few weeks ago to be invited to teach one of my daughter's classes at their school. Uh, Very nerve-wracking to go and uh, teach a bunch of elementary school students. Preaching is much easier. (laughs) Uh, On that particular day to enter uh, the classroom, you had to give an answer to uh, a passphrase. And so the, 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 the question, the passphrase you had to give to enter the room that day was What was the date that the Declaration of Independence was signed? Whew, thank the heavens I knew the answer. <laughs> I got into the room that day July 4th, 1776. It's a date very near and dear to our country, isn't it? It is a historical reality, a historical fact. On what happened that day. Brothers and sisters, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it happened on and around AD 33. It really did happen. We can be sure of it that Christ is risen. But he was raised for a purpose. His resurrection was for a purpose. And that's what Paul tells us in the second half of this verse Christ was raised for our justification. He was raised for our justification. Now, justification is a big word. And for some of you, that might be a new word. Maybe you've never heard that word before, but it's an important word. It's a Bible word, and it's a very foundational part of the Christian doctrine. It's a word that Paul has already used in his letter to the church in Rome. He used it specifically in Romans 3, 21 through 26. We call that paragraph perhaps the greatest paragraph in the whole Bible. In that paragraph, Paul states that we are justified by God's grace because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. So what does justification mean? How does it relate to our salvation? It's this. The doctrine of Christian salvation is that we are made right before God by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. And so justification is a legal term. It's a legal term that Paul uses to show that we have been declared righteous before the judge of all the earth, and we have been given this innocent verdict because of the death and resurrection of Christ. He took on the penalty, the punishment for us. The justification points to a reality that we all must profess and believe and understand that we're not right with God. We're just not. The reality is we are unholy and sinful. But the way that we are made right with God, the way we are declared right before God is not by what we have done, but what Christ has done for us on the cross. That is Justification. So how do we understand what Paul means here in Romans 4.25 about justification when in Romans 3, he taught that justification was by faith. And here he ties our justification to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So which one is it? Well, the point Paul is making is, is because only through the risen and living Christ can the benefits of justification be applied to us. In other words, the righteousness of Christ can only be ours because Christ is alive. He is risen. And that is why Paul will teach in, later in Romans 6 that we are united to Christ in his resurrection because we ourselves, we are dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses. But now we've been made alive to God Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus being raised from the dead is the divine vindication, as some scholars have put it. In other words, we know for a fact that Jesus is God, that he is the Messiah, that he is the King, that he is the Lord of Lords, that he is the Ancient of Days, that we are now justified because he is risen from the dead. Think about that for a moment. Think about all the implications of Jesus being alive and what that means for our faith, for our justification. It means that all authority has been given to Christ. He made this clear to the Apostle John in Revelation 1. He said, fear not. I am the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. And because Christ is the living one and alive forevermore, he has the power over death. Our justification is sure because he is the one who has the power to assure us and he has made it sure by his resurrection from the dead. A few weeks ago, some of us thought we were pretty smart and clever when we filled out our March Madness brackets. We studied it, we pored over it, we decided what team colors we liked better than the other to see who would win. <laughs> We thought about it long and hard, right? And we wondered how it was going to turn out. And then 99.9999% of the world figured out how ignorant we are and how we are not good at predicting outcomes, are we? (laughs) We had no idea how it was going to turn out. Brothers and sisters, God's plan doesn't work that way, it's not a prediction. We're not hoping for a final outcome. We actually know how it is going to end because the winner has already been declared. Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. As Paul said in the very first few words of his Letter to the church in Rome. He says Jesus has been declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. And because he's been risen from the dead, we can be absolutely sure of our salvation. We can be sure of our salvation that it is complete, that it is finished because of the resurrection. Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so, this truth, the truth of the resurrection, it means something for us. It means some very powerful truths. We're actually gonna sing about those truths here in just a moment when we sing Christ our hope and life and death. So, what are some of those meaningful truths? The resurrection means that God is good. God is good, and he showed his goodness to us by sacrificing his one and only son for us. The resurrection means that God is sovereign over sin and death and suffering because he knows what it's like to suffer. Jesus experienced the power of death, and he is sovereign over them now because of the resurrection. The resurrection means that we too will have everlasting life. But it's not good-looking skin and, and no belly fat life. Life with Christ forevermore. The resurrection means that Christ will return and sin and death will be destroyed. And we will feast with him with endless joy because Christ will be ours forevermore. These are the things we believe to be true. These are the things we know to be true because of Christ's resurrection from the dead. So please respond with me. He has risen. Yes. He has risen indeed. Sing hallelujah. Pray with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you for the hope that we have in Christ. Lord, help us to know and believe and experience the power of the resurrection. We praise you for the truth that we have been united to Christ in his death and and in his resurrection that we have been set free from sin and death, and we are now alive in him. Father, help us to leave here this morning just as Peter did when he walked away from the empty tomb, that we too would go home marveling at what you have done. We thank you for the redemption that we have in the risen Christ. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.